I, I always come with a bit of trepidation on Mothering Sunday because as a minister, to speak about mothering is a unique one, especially when you're a man. Um, but I want to I share a few things and thoughts for you that kind of have been on my heart. Um, and I, I think as we prayed specifically for those um, today that we want to honor, we want to honor those who mentor and invest and love and care and those who mother and those who are doing the mothering. There's something powerful about those that enter into that. So you may not have children in this place, but you have the power to mother in the kingdom of God. And you have the power to invest into a life. You have a testimony that actually rings true. And we, we, wanna, we are always continually praying that God would um, be there ministering, opening wombs, and, and allowing for more of the, the heart of God's, uh, well, God's heart for mothers to be poured out. And we recognize that we live in a fallen world. And, and for some, you know, mothering came easy or it came to them quickly. For others, it hasn't. And so we want to be faithful to pray and seek the Lord. Why? Because God has a lot to say in His Word about being a mother. Not only physically, because we all know that you can have a physical mother who's not really a mother, but really the heart of biblical mothering. And so I, w- I want to do that. I, want, um, I thank you for praying. Um, and, I, and I want to say this, that there has been a lot on the news And there's been amazing exploits that have taken shape in regard to we see the relationship between a daughter or a son and a mother. But one that broke my heart was right at the beginning of the Ukrainian conflict and the war. A representative of the Ukrainian government stood at the UN and he shared a text message between a Russian mother and her son just before that son had been killed. And I don't know how to feel about the fact that that was the last contact they had. But in, in his hour of need, he contacted his mother. He reached out to his mother. And I can't imagine what the Russian mother thinks, the heartache she must feel, the reality of asking the question, this was a needless invasion, her son a pawn in a political chess match. And in the process of that, losing his life, the pain she must feel. But she's not the only one who feels those difficulties. I have watched countless interactions um, in life, watching mothers interact with their children. I have watched countless interactions between my children and my wife. I've watched countless interactions between my wife and her mother, my mother-in-law. And what intrigues me most about some of these interactions is the importance of its consistency, that there's a relationship there, that, that the joy that is felt so often between the two of them. I can remember, and I've, I oftentimes will, when the mothers and the daughters are together, I will go and get in bed, and I will hear in the background, in the background, and there's all these gigglings and laughings, and there's a great joy in my heart as a father, knowing that we have mothers who are engaged consistently 
with their daughters. That also happens with sons as well. There's something special, I know, because I am a son between a son and a mother, especially my mother and my mother-in-law. I have two of them, and I love them both, and they matter to me, and they have huge importance and relevance in my life. Last night, uh, in the small hall during the Polish worship, um, I recognized how important mothering is um, this time of worship. And, and at the beginning of the night, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying it, but Natalie Lafferty came up to me and she showed me a piece of candy. Do you remember that? And she said, and she said to me, she said, oh, this reminds me of my childhood. And, you know, that moment of historical connection with her, with her family, her mother, her father, her history. And meanwhile, you know, the music begins, and I look over, and I see my daughter over there playing the violin, um, who speaks not one word of Polish at all, playing with Mariusz, and then he's belting it out in Polish, and my daughter's over there. Why? Because music is that beautiful combination, but I'm looking out, and then I see my wife as I stand in the back, and she's got her phone out, and she's videotaping who? Her daughter, right? Why? Because there's something beautiful about that, and then I looked over, and I saw Paulina, who kept attending to her children as they came in and out, and stole those sweeties you were talking about earlier, and, uh, and took off, and then, and then I looked over, and I saw Magdalena, and she, she's rubbing, uh, you know, Pietro's hair, and, uh, and, and, I, and I recognize something. There's so much importance in the love and the encouragement of a mother. I see it all the time. We see it everywhere we go. And as a springboard today, I just want to do this. I want to, I want to look at five things, um, five lessons, maybe for Mothering Sunday, that are important to us. That as a community, we are, we, are, we are true to Christ, we are kind to all people, and we take the gospel to the nations. But, but even more than that, these are important lessons to us. Um, and it, it really is a story, I'll start it as the springboard, a story between Solomon and his mother. Um, we know that, we know that uh, Solomon's father, King David, was not perfect. Amen? Can we get an amen? Uh, perfection is not the attainment of parenting, by the way because none of us will be perfect. But in this story, we see something unique. And it's a simple verse, but we see something very unique about it. We see this interlude shows the reverence that Solomon has towards his mom. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. It won't be the only scripture we're in today, but if it, I'll just read it out to you. Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, that's her brother. So she's becoming a mediator between the two brothers. And the king arose to meet her, bowed before her, sat on his throne, and had a throne set for the king's mother. And she sat at his right hand. Ultimately, if we, we realize something, he arose, he bowed, and he set a throne. He bestowed honor upon his mom. There's something beautiful about that. And this leads to that five lessons as we kind of press in. King Solomon didn't only live a historical life. He wrote many of the Proverbs. 
And so one of the Proverbs that I want to draw your attention to, if you're taking notes today, um, is Proverbs chapter 1. It's one of his more famous Proverbs. It actually sets the tone for how we're to raise children in the Lord, whether you're a father or you're a mother. It gives us a good indication. Actually, it was written specifically for fathers to train their children. Um, but the reality is there's a lot of wisdom for mothers in it as well. So these five things, all five things pertain to God. And they are intensely practical. Okay? But first, let me just redefine Proverbs for you. In the English, it comes to us from two words, pro verbus. Pro meaning forward, verbus meaning sayings. These are wise sayings, wisdom sayings, sayings that should move us into a place of action as we, as we walk out our Christian life. And one of the first Proverbs that we all probably have read and understand is this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And he says this, listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teachings. They are a garland to, of grace to your head and a chain to adorn your neck. What are the mother's teachings and the father's instructions? A garland of grace to your head, an adornment around your neck. But what else? Their knowledge. Their knowledge. And to obtain this knowledge, the Lord creates structures in our society that help us to learn the knowledge. Places in which instruction can take place. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is this. The family is a school of potential wisdom. The family. Any attack on the family is an indictment on the Lord. Because the Lord's structure to give instruction and obtain wisdom is through family. The mother and the father. Verse 8 again. Hear my son, your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teachings. The father as instructor, the mother as teacher. Therefore, the family is the school. God ordained the family to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth. And he instructed in that capacity teaching people. The family is the place where the next generation learns what is right and what is wrong. Learns how to live in respect and integrity and love and care and mercy and grace so that they might obtain the, the garland of grace around the neck, the chain of gold, that actually people look on and they look at your children and say, that child surpasses all of them. Why? Because they've been trained. They've been instructed. They've been taught. At home. Life as a culture doesn't really come natural for human beings in this way. The sucking reflex comes naturally. Can I get an amen from, from a, a mother? The falling reflex comes naturally. Can I get an amen? How many of you watch your children fall down? And we run over and we pick them up. The iris of the eye closes naturally to bright light. We don't have to learn to cry when we're hungry. It automatically comes. Amen? Some of you are still crying whenever you're hungry. 
But the natural, but those are all natural, biological, physiological reasons, and they're just that. But that's not all of life. The social and psychological skills which are obtained, procured, acquired, come to us through instruction and through learning, through structures, through ethos, through culture. Humans have to learn just about everything from the most basic skills of walking. And I saw Xander's video the other day of him walking for the first time, absolutely amazing. And talking and eating. Do you remember feeding your children or feeding young children? You stick the spoon in the mouth and what happens? They spit it out at you. It goes from that all the way to the moral actions of courtesy and gratitude and respect and sound character and even, most importantly, faith in Jesus Christ. These are things that are instructed and taught. You bringing your children here and your grandchildren here matters to the Lord because it is the space, it is one space, not the only space, that would go against the whole argument of house. Your house is a school, but it is a space by which we teach faith in Christ. The family is God's school for this massive undertaking. Teaching the next generation how to live in the world is the role and responsibility of a Christian parent and a Christian grandparent. There is a sociological battle going on for the lives of children. Can anyone agree with me? It happens at the political level. It has the sociological level. There's a lot of psychological issues that are trying to navigate through the world and redefine and restructure. And let me be clear. A mother and a father who seek help from relatives, grandparents, daycare, primary schools, secondary schools, kingdom kids, little lambs, need to understand that it is not solely those people's job to raise your child. The ultimate responsibility still resides in the home. We will always be at odds with the world as Christians to some extent. And to some extent, we will absorb the values of the world. But we need to stand at odds with those values at times. We can't rescue our children from every danger. None of us can do that. We can only give them the tools to make sound and wise decisions, pertinent decisions to help navigate with integrity the confusing world that we live in. And this was illustrated by Jesus, and it was admonished by Jesus when he prayed in the garden in John 17, where he said, I pray that you would not take them out of the world. We cannot get our children out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. Thank you, Jesus. You are in the world, so are your children. But the desire is that they would not be of the world. In essence, the evil of this world would not be their guide, but the sound character that you've instilled in them inside of the house. That's what we're hopeful for. That's what we're praying for daily. That's what we're, we're seeking to do with every conversation that we have. So what do we do? How do we do this, Nathan? Well, 
Remind them how awesome God is. Remind them how God is holy. Ellie and I have been talking in the car about various miracles that she's experiencing in her life continuously. And we were talking about this. And, and, and as she does that and tells me the stories and I'm driving along, the only thing I can turn to her and say is, that is so awesome. Awesome. Number two, if you're taking notes, the reverence, the awesomeness of the Lord is a unifying theme in mothering. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, if we ask, if we ask what runs through this, well, modeling, counseling, explaining, correcting, disciplining, what gives meaning to it all? Well, if you're a Christian, it's the awesomeness, the fear of the Lord as you sit and talk. In Hebrew, it's this idea that, that God emerges as amazing for our children. That he, he becomes this amazing person in their life that not only takes on the characteristics of, of us as fallen mothers and fathers, but, he, they, but your children take on the characteristics of the one who is holy, Christ Jesus himself. We should never ever for one second be embarrassed about talking about Jesus. Can I get an amen for that one? Everybody's sitting quiet today. Ever. We should never be embarrassed about talking about Jesus anywhere we go. But with our children, it's a beautiful thing. Why? Because faith comes by what? Hearing. And who, what do they need to hear? Word of the Lord. So as we talk about God in their midst... Children begin to experience, understand the awesomeness of God, that He is their portion. It's, 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 it's a beautiful thing to realize that God is our portion because you, you will never experience the tremendous depth of failing when God is your portion. God is able to do abundantly more than you can think or hope or imagine because He is your portion. When the world is trying to apportion you, he is the portion that we, we lean on. So the family is a school. The unifying thing of that curriculum is the awesomeness of God. And in this case, it's a massive responsibility to be a mother or to mother or to mentor. We know this. But we have a responsibility as fathers and mothers. And I know there might be a stop there. Well, wait a second. You know, I didn't have a dad. Um, my dad wasn't there. Well, this is why we need mentors and fathers in the faith. I have a father in the faith as much as I had two amazing fathers. I had a father-in-law who was absolutely amazing. I have a father who's an amazing. And I had mentors who loved me. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Be immense in your teaching to your children. But it's going to come with a cost. You'll have to lose yourself. You'll have to set yourself aside. There are going to be miserable moments of crying in the bathroom behind the scenes because maybe your child didn't react the way you thought. Maybe there was an issue and you thought, gosh, I'm failing as a parent. You're not failing. God is your portion. He is able to give you through the power of the Holy Spirit the wisdom and the knowledge you need to accomplish what you need. 
1994, Linda Weber, on Focus on the Family, uh, wrote a, and, I, and I, I put this into my diary in 1998, which I thought was interesting. It was relatively new at the time, but I had it in my diary. I was going through old tasks, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, that works. That's amazing. She quoted the American columnist Ann Landers. Ann Landers was someone you wrote into if you had a question, and she seemed to come up with the answers, or at least give a, answers. And this woman was so... She just felt like mothers weren't getting their fair due. So she wrote in, and she, she wrote and said, she wrote a, a piece called, Mom, You're Incredible. Um, and this is what she wrote. And I want to say this. This is you. This is what she says to you. Um, well, she, she wrote it about herself, but I think this, this could pertain to you. I'm a wife, mother, friend, confidant, personal advisor, lover, reference, peacemaker, housekeeper, laundress, chauffeur, interior decorator, gardener, painter, wallpaperer, dog groomer, veterinarian, manicurist, uh, barber, seamstress, appointment manager, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, personal secretary. Does this start sound familiar for anybody? All right. Teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, psychoanalyst. <laughs> How many of you, you Nurse, diagnostician, uh, public relations expert. <laughs> you have to put everything back together. Uh, dietitian and nutritionist, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, and the letter writer for both sides of the family. I'm also the travel agent, speech therapist, plumber, automobile maintenance repair expert. She, said, she goes on to say, from the studies I've done, it would cost more than 75000 a year to replace me. Now, that's in American dollars. I tried to do the calculations. Today's wages, that would be 108,000 pounds, 108,851 pounds. Pretty amazing. See, basically, society can't afford you, Mom. You bring so much valuable value, value that it's, it's unobtainable. We can't make you. We can't replicate you. But God can replicate you. He, God can make you. This is why, my, why a mom, you're the most valued possession inside of the structure of God's economy. And there are effects to your work. Everything you do matters. I'll, I'll go to the New Testament for an illustration. The, the effect of Timothy's mother and grandmother. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.5, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. I had a grandmother Lois. And your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. And then he goes on to say in 3.14 and 15, you, however, continue in the things you've learned and have become convinced of. Learned meant he was taught it. And knowing from what you have learned them, that is your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, that from childhood you have known what? The Holy Scriptures. Because your, your mother taught them to you. Which you are able to give. Which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's a remarkable testimony. Because Timothy's father wasn't a believer, he was a Greek. We're told that in Acts chapter 16. He probably didn't know the scriptures, but his mother did, and his grandmother did. So Paul celebrates this great heritage. And what does he say at the end? He said, it's because of your mother. 
and your grandmother that you have learned the things you needed through the Holy Scriptures. Number four, and then I'll pick it up. I'll pick up the pace a little bit, but it's important. And this one may be for the recording because there's no children in here, so you can play it back to them later. Um, God calls our sons and daughters to be submissive to their mothers and fathers. Let me define the word submissive before we have a mutiny. Um, submissive comes to us in the word that, that actually is, is mutual engagement, mutual love. That, that you set and submit yourself aside for others in Ephesians chapter 5. You, you go low when you could go high. And that's the, the concept of submission, that you take the, the, the humble position. So when, when he's saying submit, that they should honor, he's saying, hey, they should honor their parents. Verse 8, my son, you've heard my instruction, do not forsake the teaching. The Hebrew word for teaching is, is discipline, correction, even chastening. Sometimes we have to say things that are hard for the sake of growth. And if we become a society in which we don't say the hard thing to get the growth, what will happen is we'll tell kids whatever they want to hear, and then what will happen is they will become, they will become monsters in the end because they will be the ones up high and they will be the dictator. If we always, tell, if we always hear everything we want to hear, um, we delude ourselves. I think we have, a, we have Putin right now who's heard only what he's ever wanted to hear. And it's caused him to live in an insulated bubble and he's become a tyrant. And it's interesting. So correcting an error, an attitude, helps them to see wrong and right. And if we fail to tell children when they make mistakes, hurt someone, speak something they shouldn't, we can only assume that they'll begin to think that this is how life works. This is how, this is the truth. And if we don't, we don't as grandparents and parents and caregivers instruct, the Hebrew word meaning mosar, we'll certainly create what we don't intend to create. You see, there are two com commands that warn two common temptations of rebellion. One is the child is at home, and the other is when he's away from home. There's two places in which a child lives. If he's home or she's home, the temptation could be that they wouldn't listen to their parents. And so Solomon says, hear the instruction of the father. If he's away from home or she's away from home, the temptation might be forsaking what they've been taught by their mom. So Solomon says, don't forsake the mom's teaching. Young people... Um, are called by God to listen to their parents, to their grandparents, to their elders. Um, they're called by God. And that means with great responsibility as parents and grandparents and elders and mentors, we're to love them and respect them and to teach them in the way that they should go. Why? Because Exodus 20 says we should honor the mother and the father. Now, if we do that, this is lesson number five, there is a great reward. How many of you like rewards? How many of you, how many of you part, I, I saw a number of boys' brigade 
who on Friday were looking forward to rewards. They, they could not wait, Gordon, for that reward. <laughs> they were so excited. Why? Because God ordains a reward for sons and daughters who do not forsake the teachings of their mother and their father. Verse 9 says, indeed, it literally means because they, that means if they've heard the instructions and they've not forsaken their mother's teaching, they are a graceful garland or reed around the head. My children will tell you that we've had a number of conversations, usually going on the way to school, about the importance of, of listening because there's a great promise to them, a great reward as they listen, appraise, learn, and grow. And I have to say I'm very proud of my children. They are amazing women in God. And I'm, I'm thrilled to honor them in that way. And they, there is a great, there's a great reward, and this is this. Paul understood it well. He said, if you honor your mother and your father, this is the first commandment that comes with a promise. There's lots of commandments, but there's only one, that, the first one that comes with a promise, that you'll live a long and sound and prosperous life. A life filled with integrity and love and kindness. One that sets oneself aside for the sake of others. Understands their position within the society and serves in that society for the sake of others and the growth of others. That they might be recognized with a wreath on their head, a garland around their neck. That there would be a fountain of life and deep satisfaction in all that they've done. And so coming to the close of Mothering Sunday, I just want to say this. Um, I know a number of your children, and I want to say well done to you. I want to say, well done. But we don't end with well done. We continue to pour in. We continue. Why? Because there's something beautiful about the proverb writer where he says this, we will rise up and call her blessed. You've been blessed by God. God is a blessing to you. And as you press into the Lord, and I'm going to pray right now and, and just go before the Lord, if you feel in your heart that there are needs, you've, you've listened to the five lessons, but you feel, I, I have needs. Uh, I have areas that I feel like I, I want the Lord to move in. And they could be good areas. They could be areas of deficiency. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Um, we believe it's important that we have strong mothers and we have strong grandmothers. And the anointing of the Lord is upon you for this task. And so we want to pray for you. And um, if that is you, if that is you, um, Karen, I'm going to ask you if you would just play for us. Um, I want you to just, if you want to, just raise your hand up to the Lord. And, um, and if, if you say, Lord, Lord I, want, I want more of you. I need more of your help. I need your endurance. You're a mom. You're a grandparent. Um, you're a caregiver. The Lord wants to meet that need in your life. And so if you, um, if you feel inclined, let's all pray together. If that is you and you need that, 
The Lord sees your hand. He knows what you need even before you ask. Um, but we want to pray over you. So let's pray together. Um, if, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Father, thank you for these women, Lord, and, and these mothers and these grandmothers, God. Thank you for the, their heart and their hands. God, as they, as they extend their hand to you out of the volition of their heart and their mind, Lord, they're saying to you that they need more of your help. They have desires, Lord, that they want to see fulfilled. They have places in their own lives where they need you to come and move. And so, Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would hover over them right now, that you would, you would the, the great paraclete come alongside of them, and you would instill in their heart a hope, a strong hope of endurance. Father, thank you for the work you've begun in them. Thank you for strengthening them. Thank you for empowering them. Father, thank you for the love that they have shown to their children. And we ask for more of that. And so, God, we, we thank you that on this Mothering Sunday, God, you have purposes and plans for, for these mothers. And, Lord, we pray, even as we gather and close with worship, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would be challenged uh, to be the people of God you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.